1: Hello and welcome to Milwaukee Admirals Center Ice. I'm Aaron Sims, going alone this week. Mike Wojcikowski off. We'll be back. Uh, Mike will be back next Monday. Uh, as the Admirals uh, have a, an important week here uh, coming up, they play host to San Diego on Wednesday night, and then visit Iowa this weekend on Friday and Saturday. So big week coming up for the Admirals, who had a big win. Uh, just this past Saturday night over Grand Rapids, 4-2 at Panther Arena. The Admirals have been struggling to score some goals again. They had a stretch at the beginning of the year where they were not scoring very many, two goals a game, Uh, and then they ended up uh, having a stretch where, beginning with a school day game in Milwaukee, seven goals, five goals, four goals, five goals, and then it cooled off again. The last six games, the Admirals had scored 11 goals per contest. That was heading into Saturday, night, 11 goals period, not 11 goals per contest, but under two goals per game. Um, the Admirals this season now, uh, and then they go into uh, Saturday and they win 4-2. to This season, the Admirals in the 18 games, they're 10-7, 1-0, 21 points. Right now, they're second place in the Central Division. Texas in first with 25, Rockford 20, Iowa in Manitoba 18 Grand Rapids 16 and Chicago at the bottom with 12 eight of the Admirals 18 games that's it they've scored three goals or more they are 7 and 1 in those games when they score eight or more or three or more goals but it's only happened eight times in 18 games so far two time uh, two goals in a game has happened five times this year the Admirals are 3 and 2 so when Milwaukee scores Two goals or more, they are 10 and 3 on the season. And when they score one goal, which has happened in five out of 18 games, the Admirals are 0 4 and 1. Um, the Admirals uh, currently rank tied for 28th in goals, four per contest, but they're fifth in goals against the defense has been obviously very very good for milwaukee uh in this uh season in this uh early in this season now the admirals host san diego on wednesday uh we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a moment first i want to play back the uh, conversation we had with admirals head coach carl taylor after the admirals defeated the griffins four to two on saturday night carl aside from the penalty trouble in the first period another pretty solid game for your guys here tonight
0: yeah, I know, we fought through a lot of adversity, uh, a lot of tough calls, we were able to get through it. Even at the end of the game, when the pennies went from one pocket to the other, but as a group, you know what? We found a way to get through it. We give up two power play goals, but um, obviously, we'd like to stay out of the box a little bit.
1: Yeah, and, but I tell you what, to stick with it, and then you know, the end of that first period, penalty troubles, but the second period, you guys came out, you got some help on the penalty on the power play yourself. You didn't score, but the momentum was there, and it's certainly built in your favor.
0: Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's a hard game. It was a close game. We were down. We were able to come back. Uh, hard travel for both teams, obviously. So it's uh, it, those games are hard to play, and they're never perfect. You see they got behind us again a couple of times. Uh, there's going to be mistakes. Uh, when we did make mistakes, our goalie Goose, who was a little under the weather, battled through and uh, did a great job hanging in there for us. So. Um, huge battle by him and uh, good job by the guys to get a victory here today. We
1: talk so much about players on this team that uh, that get the offense, they get the stats, and Adam Willsby is a guy who doesn't have the stats, uh, the scoring stats necessarily, but my goodness, a solid game, and you always get a solid game from him, a solid skater, and for him to score that goal, that really, really pumped your team up.
0: Yeah, Wills has been finding his game, and you know what, he's got more offense than people give him credit for Um, That's a good shot. He really leaned into it. He got some good weight on it. Uh, He just needs to have a little more confidence in his offensive game. Obviously, he's a great defender does a really good job taking ice away and closing the gap and eliminating things with a great stick. But he's got more offense, and hopefully he uh, he showed that a little bit in playoffs last year. So we're hoping that he can grow that area as we move through the season here.
1: You guys, you mentioned uh, you know sticking with it and, and showing some heart. I mean, when you lose Mark Jankowski after the first period, he doesn't come back out to the bench, and, and now your lines are all jumbled, and, and boy, you, you had guys in different situations, and, and for the most part, they stepped up
0: yeah you know what it's uh, those things happen and so the group found a way to get through it. you know we also got uh, gross and staff are out of the lineup so right. you know there's a, every team's got issues uh, you know Grand uh, gr lost a few guys today too so uh, every team goes through those moments and uh, you get challenged and you learn we're we got a young group here and so we appreciate the patience we're getting from the fans and uh, we're slowly building a little bit of a home identity here but uh, we're a young group. we got a lot of lessons to learn. We're still learning each and every day. But these, ga- these are the games where you find ways when you're tired to fight for each other. You, you push for the guy beside you. You're not doing it because of anything the guy in the suit said. It's all about your teammates and how you come together and how you want to support each other and find a way to get a win and enjoy the weekend and end it with a Saturday night win.
1: We'll end it just like that. Enjoy the weekend and end it with a Saturday night win. Congratulations, Carl. Thanks, sir. Admirals head coach Carl Taylor. So now the Admirals get set to take on the San Diego Gulls. That is coming up on Wednesday night. San Diego has the worst record in the American Hockey League, 4-11, 4-0. They're 29th in the league in goals allowed, 3.84 per contest. But they do play in probably the best division in the American Hockey League, the Pacific Division. Eight of its ten teams are at 500 or better. Four have a points percentage of 650 or better in the Central Division. Only Texas is above six 600. Again, the Admirals are in second place in the division. Now, later on, the Admirals will uh, take on the Iowa Wild. That's Friday and Saturday. Uh, Iowa will host Rockford on Tuesday night, tomorrow night, and then visit. Uh, the Admirals will visit on Friday and Saturday. The Wild won two this past weekend at Colorado. So a big, big week coming up for the Milwaukee Admirals. We're going to take a break. Still to come, we're going to talk Badger hockey with Todd Maleski, both the men's and the women's team. And next, we'll visit with the play-by-play announcer for the Minnesota Wild, Joe O'Donnell, and he'll uh, get us updated on everything going on. The firing of Dean and the trip to Sweden, uh, the 3-0 and start under John Hines. All of that coming up with Joe O'Donnell next. You're listening to Milwaukee Admirals Center Ice. Welcome back to Milwaukee Admirals Center Ice. I'm Aaron Sims, joined now by the play-by-play announcer for the Minnesota Wild, Joe O'Donnell. Joe, last week we were we had already recorded the show by the time the news came down that former Admirals head coach and now former Minnesota Wild head coach Dean Evason had been fired by the team, along with Bob Woods. And I'm just curious. Uh, first off, thanks for the time. How are you? No
2: problem.
1: <laughs> I'm great. I chat with you, but let's get right after it. Let's, yeah, I was going to say, we're diving right in here about, about Dean Evason. The team is 3-0 and since then. There's obviously a new coach bump. Um, we know John Hines. I, I, I've actually met him 20 years ago, just one time when he was at the University of Wisconsin. Um, it, there, there's so much to unpack here, I guess. You had the trip to Sweden. There, it's unbelievable what's been going on for the first couple months for this Minnesota Wild team.
2: Yeah, and what's crazy is that now, now the games like really start ramping up. The Wild have a bunch of games in hand against a lot of teams that, unfortunately, they're looking up at in the standings, um, and that changes very quickly. I think it's like six games in eight days, starting this week in Calgary. Um, and then you got, got an, American an American League
1: schedule there. It's the American League schedule.
2: I know. So, like, <laughs> you know, I was doing prep for a game the other day against the Blackhawks. I was looking at it like, oh heck, hang on, let me count this up like I used to do in the American League. Is it is it four and five? Is it six and eight? Like, what are we talking here? So, um, but, yeah, it's, look, it's, there's been a lot going on. Uh, Stockholm, Sweden was amazing. Uh, we could talk more about that if you want, the coaching change. Uh, it wasn't a huge surprise, but obviously anytime it becomes, you know, there's finality there. And, and at the end of the road for somebody, you feel for them. You know Dean. Um, I know Dean. A lot of your listeners probably know him. Just an unbelievable person. And you feel terrible for him. And same for Bob Woods, like really good guy. But somebody had to sort of fall on the sword for the wild, slow start. Uh, Bill Guerin is not a GM that waits around. He wants to win no matter what the cap constraints are, whatever situation is facing his club. Uh, he felt the change was needed. I thought it was interesting in his press conference introducing John Hines that he said a couple of times that he didn't think it was coming back and it being – you know, whatever you deem it is, right? Swagger, confidence, just solid overall consistent play. Um, when he felt that wasn't coming back to the wild game, he knew a change had to be made. So, tough to see Dean lose his job. Um, really good coach, really good person. But, yeah, you get that new coach bump, 3-0 under John Hines, and it just looks like a totally different team even though the players are the same.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, you're right, and you know the the wins, the the three wins, they have been kind of in dominant fashion that yeah. they've done so far. And I mean, it's one of those things, right, where it it got to the point, like you said, they can't find it. I think there was just desperation on everybody's part, right? The players want to play, and they can't figure it out for whatever reason. Dean wants to coach, but he can't get the players to play. I mean, it's it's unbelievable how this happens, and it happens everywhere. Um, so when a change does happen and you get the fresh set of eyes, we talk about it so much, Joe, and I'm sure you talked about it over the years, I know you have, with players that find a new organization or whatever, and they're rejuvenated because it's a fresh set of eyes, it's a fresh opportunity, and i got to imagine there's 22 guys in that wild locker room that are feeling that right now with John Hines. Yeah, it's
2: it's such a simple change, right, like from a standpoint of you're swapping out one person, but is it, a different voice. Is it the clean slate factor? Um, is it maybe just hey? I, I, I think Billy Garrett had talked about this, or some of the players, or even Dean. Maybe like uh, in his interview with Michael Russo from the Athletic, it's just like, well, John Hines hasn't had to yell at these guys yet. He right. hasn't benched them at all. He hasn't made them a healthy scratch, really. So um, you're kind of playing for your job in a lot of ways. Um, and just talking with some other folks that aren't necessarily in the sport of hockey, but just, you know, that observe and, and are fans. And, like, I've, I've heard some really valid stuff just from, like, almost an outsider perspective. It's like, well, you know, you changed the coach, so that's kind of a wake-up call because now the players are like, well, some guy just lost his job over our poor performance. Like, I better look myself in the mirror here and get this thing turned around. Yeah. Just from, like, the human nature standpoint. So there's a lot of layers to this. Um, while wild. Also, the last three games. I'm not trying to, you know, take anything away from this three-game winning streak because certainly it made my job more fun the last few days. But they also haven't played some of the NHL elite teams. Like I'm, I'm not, I don't think the St. Louis Blues are Nashville Predators. I could be wrong. Like I, I think the Preds could probably sneak in, but I, I'm not a believer that the Blues have a playoff team. Um, you know, who knows about Nashville? We'll see. I do like Andrew Burnett a lot, and that's probably why I think they have a good chance to to at least hang around that wild card spot. We all know Chicago not making the playoffs, so you got to beat the teams in front of you. Without a tough start, does ease up a little bit here at least on paper the next, um, you know, from these past three games and maybe the next five or six. So hopefully they can bank some points and get back in the standings. But it is just amazing how the team looked completely different with no practice time under John Hines or anything. Like he comes in essentially the morning of a game and they look like a completely different team. It, it's kind of crazy.
1: I think there's something to be said. And I, I don't know, it drives me crazy because you hear all these things about, oh, he lost the room and all, all of these things. And the, the yeah. fact of the, you know, um, these are all professionals. They're professional athletes. Uh, you know, the well, the Minnesota wild, they're, they're all comfortable because there's, you know the cap. The cap is what it is, and those players aren't going to lose their jobs, and all of this. I think that's such hogwash. These are professional players. They have. You have to have an unbelievable ego and an unbelievable amount of pride to play at this level, and so uh, there are so many cliches that are out there that I just, I just don't agree with. Do you feel the same yeah. way?
2: Well, I, I would tend to agree with you, right? That like these guys, this is their livelihood they're competitors, they're not just going to, you know, mail it in and then all of a sudden one guy gets changed behind the bench and now all of a sudden, like, I, I don't believe, I don't think Dean Everson lost the room. Right. Um, Just a, you know, from that standpoint. But I will say in talking with Ryan Carter, who played a lot at the NHL level and now works for Valley Sports North, he did talk about, this before Dean was let go, him and I were having a conversation just about, like, when you have players that now have the security of a three-year deal.
1: Of and a no-move clause deal. whatever, yeah.
2: Yes, it just, I think it just maybe alters that mindset a little bit, right? That like you can't be traded and you don't need to play for the next four years future-wise, right? Like your your payday for your family or whatever you're trying to achieve in life financially because it's, you've got security now. Um, I don't know. I mean, that's from a former player. So I got to obviously yeah. believe that there is that little bit of the mindset that goes, eh, you know what? I like Minnesota. Great place to play. I know I'm locked in here now. And so maybe do you do a little extra or do you, I, I don't know, but I, I just found that interesting from him. Again, that was prior to Dean's dismissal. That there could have been a little bit of that as to why the Wild started so slowly. No,
1: and that would lend credits for a guy like Ryan Carter, who did, like you said, played quite a few games in the National Hockey League. Joe O'Donnell joining us here. It's Milwaukee Admiral Center Ice. Joe is the play by play announcer for the Minnesota Wild. It, it's funny what you just said there because. That's what Barry Trotz did in Nashville. He said, "This isn't a place to retire. This is a place where we want to win championships." And uh, that that was kind of a telling statement at the beginning when he got rid of the players. He did so. There, there is a way that <laughs> that these guys can indeed move. Their their contracts may be guaranteed, but there is a way that they can be moved, and it tarnishes some reputations.
2: Yeah, you never want to be the guy that, um, that gets put in that spot, either. Right or. If the GM or the coach is making a statement like that, a lot of times, I think the players know, right? Like that was maybe directed at me, but it wasn't right. directly directed at me. Um, and honestly, like when you look at the last couple of days, of Dean Evans' tenure, you know, again, I refer back to Michael Russo in the Athletic, but he was quick to point out that Dean was starting to to name names, which right. is something that Dean never did. As right, you know, like right. it was always we. It's the Minnesota Wild.
1: And everything was private. Baltimore. If there was an right. issue, it was private. Yep.
2: Yeah. And it was almost like the last card he had. Right. It was either take away major ice time from some superstars or let everybody know that their play's not good enough. Um, and maybe that's the wake up call. Ultimately, it didn't work. Um, but yeah, it's <laughs> here like the whole cliche thing you mentioned earlier and um, the, the media, the circus that can surround some of these. Uh, firings and hirings and stuff. At the end of the day, the guy's got to lace them up and go out there and play good hockey. And thankfully, the Wild have done that the last couple games. And and now they put themselves in a spot where, again, if they have a really good December, um, you know, and you flip to 2024 and you're hanging around a wild-card playoff spot, I think this team, we've seen it back-to-back 100-point season. The personnel hasn't changed much. They stay healthy. They have a chance to be right there at the end. uh, But they dug themselves such a hole that right now, you know, winning three in a row or or two out of four or two out of five, like that's just not good enough. They have to string together, you know, an 8-2-0 stretch, and they probably got to do that for a month or two to get themselves really back into it.
1: You know Marco Rossi very well. I'm curious uh, with him. A few years ago he gets drafted where he did, and, and he had the health situation, but he gets drafted where he did. Everybody says, ah, oh, here's the number one center. Minnesota's been lacking forever. Uh, it took him a little bit of time. He was very good in Iowa um and minnesota maybe didn't get the chance that he needed uh this year he has stepped up and i'm curious is he the number one center or does he have to be the number one 80 90 point center for this team
2: i don't know that he has to be that i don't know if that's his ceiling um i think the wild would still be sort of looking for that um you know that unicorn that number one center and and Bill Guerin will tell you, you, you really can't find them through trades much. Like, who's treating that guy? Um, right. Eventually, you have to draft and develop one, and normally you need a top-ten pick to do it. Now, with Marco Rossi, uh, the transformation this year has been awesome. I'd like to say that I saw it coming, uh, but I don't know that I did. Uh, I don't know if anybody did, because he just lacks such confidence and, and just, like, polish to his game last year at the NHL level. Um, if that's the right term. like, and I, and I don't know. I just I felt like if he could just get off to a good start, it, it might be what triggers what we're seeing now. And he scored in the first game of the year, and now they waved it off. It, it was one of those challenges and got taken off the board. But then he got on the board the next night in Toronto, and, uh, and I think that just got him going. Like, just to see the puck go in the net, we kind of felt like that last year. We talked with Dean as Marco was struggling 15 games into his NHL career, saying, like, well, maybe if you just get him out there for an empty netter. Like, anything to see that puck over the goal line. Because uh, to your point, he had produced at the AHL level. And usually when you produce at the AHL level with regularity, you can do it, you know, at the NHL level. Uh, I did say to Tom Reed yesterday, it feels like forever ago that Ryan Hartman was centering Zuccarello and sauce Right. Because Rossi now is that, you know, to your point, that number one center iceman. And it doesn't look like anytime soon he's going to relinquish that role. So uh, good to see him playing with confidence. He put on a lot of muscle and size in the summer. He just He's going to the hard areas, and um, he's just one of those guys right now that is sort of driving this wild team offensively, and it's great to see him. I mean, I can't imagine where this team would be without Brock Faber, and Marco Rossi two rookies contributing a lot right now
1: you know you bring up that's the next place I wanted to go to because so many people were pointing about the loss of Dumba uh Matt Dumba uh in the offseason and um, you know just didn't have the money to re-sign him and and probably would have been great for the locker room and he was a solid player on the ice and and on the power play and all of that but when you can get a rookie play like Brock Faber is this year my goodness that uh, that alleviates a lot of concern certainly and um yeah, I saw your tweet here the other day, and I still call it Twitter. Uh, yeah, me I, too. I saw, I saw your tweet here the other day about uh, the betting odds for all of these yeah. rookies, and that Faber is not on the board is just ridiculous. It, it goes to show yeah. that uh, people aren't paying attention to what's going on in Minnesota for whatever reason.
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, but his point production's there, too. It's not like he's got three assists in 22 right, games. Right, and he's, uh, right. And, you know, and he's playing 14 minutes a night. Like, this kid's eating 20-plus minutes a night. He has all year long. Um, he was maybe their best player for the first handful of games, which is, you know, alarming as, as much as it was great to see. Um, and he's finding ways to get on the score sheet pretty much on a regular basis. His offensive game, I think, is where it needs to be. He's now starting to get power play his time under John Hines. And he is a smart hockey player that skates well, and I think he's going to have a great NHL career. Could be someday a captain of the Minnesota Wild from everything we hear about his leadership ability. Um, And and to me, he's the type of kid that he could care less if anybody talks about him for the Calder Trophy voting. I mean, he's a pretty humble kid. He goes about his business. Uh, He seems to have a good head on his shoulders from everybody I've talked to around here in the Minnesota area people that know him personally, that know his family personally, and they just rave about him and his upbringing um, and how he approaches the game. So it's great to see he's having so much success. I really do believe he should be you know, somewhere in that Calder Trophy conversation. Obviously, the, those sexy names, Bedard or Carlson and, and their highlight reel goals are going to get noticed more than a guy that's playing 22 minutes a night in Minnesota. But trust me, the Wild Brass, the, the players, the coaches, they recognize how valuable he is.
1: Well, this team now uh, has won three straight, and now, as you said, you've got this uh, road trip. you got four games away, uh, out west. Um, this is, I don't want to say it's make or break, but everybody points to American Thanksgiving as the point where you better start making hay. So is this the big test of the young season so far?
2: Uh, I think so, because they've put themselves on the spot now where this trip really matters. Um, it's not like, you know, there are five games below 500 and saying, gosh, we just got to string a win or two together to start to feel better about ourselves. They feel better about themselves now. And they are, you know, a handful of points out of a playoff spot, but there's a lot of teams ahead of them. So you can win. And then when you don't play for three days, you look back at the standings. The next time you go to play a game and you haven't gained in the ground, you might have lost ground. That changes now with all these games in quick succession. Uh, and then after this trip, you, you've got the Bruins twice. You get the Penguins, so it's it's not going to be an easy stretch. But I think there are some winnable games. But the way this team's playing with increased confidence, I really do believe. You know, this is one of those stretches of the season where, if they go two and two on the trip, it's probably a letdown. They've got to get, you know, five or six of these eight points to really put themselves back into the mix, um, with you know a couple of weeks left before the new year.
1: It's it's huge to have a Flurry's performance last night, uh, Gustafson. What these guys have done the last few games, I mean, the, the 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 save percentage wasn't where it was certainly the first couple months of the season. If that turns around like it was last year, hey, that's obviously also going to be the big help.
2: Yeah, huge. And you know they have the third best save percentage in the league last season, and then darn near the worst through the first six weeks this year. Was this team could not. Afford that, right? Like, look how talented the New Jersey Devils are. Yeah. Uh, their save percentage is atrocious, and yet they were still treading water, right? They were 500 or better part because they just have so much darn talent. The Wild aren't built like that. So um, they need to get good goaltending. Again, it's crazy how you switch the coach and then all of a sudden the goaltending improves. Like, you know, that, that makes ab- absolutely no sense. I mean, Dean Evanson has <laughs> no bearing on the goaltenders whatsoever. He probably doesn't even talk to them most days. Um, it's not like you changed the goalie coach or you changed the goalies. Like it's literally the same two guys. Uh, but the team played a little better in front of them and everybody gaining a bit of confidence. Now all of a sudden both goaltenders are, are kind of rounding back out to their form and it really couldn't come at a better time.
1: I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to hearing your calls. Joe, uh, I always like listening. I always like talking with you. Thank you so much for your time here. Uh, happy holidays. Best to your family. And uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah, you too, buddy. Thanks as always, and, and call anytime. Joe O'Donnell, we'll take a break. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to Milwaukee Admiral Center Ice. Welcome back to Milwaukee Admirals Center Ice. I tell you what, you look at the way hockey has been going in the city of Madison, Wisconsin, the last few years, and certainly the women's hockey team has been magnificent. The men's team has been up and down in a struggle. New head coach this season, and they are fantastic they are off to a, a wonderful start they already have as many points in a third of the season as they had at the entirety of last year in Big Ten play uh, here to talk about that and uh, well all things hockey in Madison is our friend from the Wisconsin State Journal Todd Molesky Todd it's great to talk to you uh, I texted you boy about a month ago and uh, I said is Mike Hastings the greatest hockey coach ever and and you said something along the lines of well the evidence seems to be that he might be um right. I'm I'm curious. I I see the team what they did to Ohio State this past weekend and um I'm just I'm just I don't know if I should be surprised or not but my goodness uh he's getting through what I don't know what he's feeding these kids but man it's working.
3: Yeah, I mean you, you take the you know a a very uh, uh zoomed out view of things as like being in the top five, being ranked, in, you know, high, in, in, yeah, of course, because that's the way Wisconsin has been, but when you zoom in on these past, you know, really the past decade, uh, when it's been more struggle than success, and for, to see a team that, like you mentioned, was last in the Big Ten last season, uh, you know, lost in the first round of, of the Big Ten tournament, didn't, did not... You know, have a long run. It was it was done by uh, the second weekend of March. Um, to see a team that uh, with their last season come out this season and start well—well, uh, well, right now they're twelve and four, but they were nine and one. And then they, you know, a couple things happened. They moved into the number one spot in the national rankings, and to see that happen in the first six weeks of Mike Hasting's tenure was really—you uh, know—it it does kind of just. Give uh, the the impression that he's uh, he found the the magic to <laughs> to put things together. And you no, know, he said that you know when he came in and when he was announced here last March, or last April uh, as the coach, he said he didn't have magic dust to spread on this, but something he's done has been working out well, and it's really, it's it's using a bunch of players that, that are, have been good players that just maybe haven't been put in the right situation. Now, you know, half the team, just about half the team is new this year, so there there is an influx of, of talent to come in, but we're seeing a lot of players that are back from previous years have a really good start to the season, and I think that's been pretty critical to the start
1: that I've had. Well, and you mentioned, you know, the situation so often, whether it's the professional ranks or the college ranks, there are people in front of you right young players have to come in and and there's a junior or a senior in front of them on the first power play unit or this or the penalty kill or or whatever the case might be so to to find new roles and and stuff like that I guess is really nothing new but but like you say these guys are excelling um and I hope I'm saying his name right. I called. I called one game with him. That D, Matthew DeSainful, Uh He's he's been you know from what I see he's been terrific. Um, you know, guys like that that just have and and he hasn't been bad. But it's just I guess the maturation process here.
3: I think that's part of it. Yeah, that the, the, these are guys that have had. To kind of live in the last couple of years with with not a lot of success, and so when you start to get a little bit of it, I think that starts to build quickly because you you want more of that. You don't want to go back into the the way that it's been for the last
1: two years. Yeah, you don't That's want to that that whole hate losing more than you yeah. enjoy winning kind of thing, right?
3: I, I think that that really builds up, and so they, they have some success early. They they start the season with uh, two shutouts of, of Augustana, who's playing their first ever Division One game. And so you're certain, you certainly you kind of wonder, okay, is this a real thing? Are we seeing you know, uh, or is this just a, a little bit of a uh, uh, you know, smoke and mirrors? It's a uh, right. it just happens to be this this first year team. Uh, But then to follow it up, a couple weeks later, uh, you know, winning two games at Michigan Tech, and they've had some struggles, but still winning two games on the road, pretty impressive. Then going to Minnesota and winning two games there, then coming home and winning two games against Michigan, I mean, that was, that's when it started to be like, well, there's something happening here. I mean, this is not just a, uh, a, 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 you know, something that that just happened out of nowhere. There's something building here, and I think that's the,
1: Todd Malesky from the Wisconsin State Journal joins us. It's Milwaukee Admirals Center Rice. The uh, the new players. You said about half the team is is new this season at, in Madison. Uh, the transfer portal and a few of these guys come with Coach Hastings, obviously, but the, not all of them. But. This transfer portal. I mean, when I was covering the game with you, the college game, and you—you you were there. Uh, you've been there. It's crazy to think 25 years now. Um, right. But when you were there, and 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 I'd see you around like that. That wasn't that big of a deal. Every so often, you'd get a transfer guy, but it was it was few and far between. And now it's it, it's it's pretty wild. And and more guys are being coaxed into the American League a little earlier than their third year and stuff like that. Um, it, the coaching is, is different. And I'm just curious, like dealing with Mike Hastings, um, what you see with him, it, it's like, he, he's graduated guys to the pro ranks, right? He's had guys come from Mankato, uh, over the last several years, but they've all been 23, 24 years old. Um, I'm just curious how he handles all of this and, and what you've observed because the college, again, the college game is so different than it was even six years ago
3: You're right. When he was at Minnesota State, they recruited a lot of guys that came in as freshmen at 20 years old, had maxed out their junior age, and and so they they wanted to see players. You know how they did when they were actually eighteen and nineteen years old, rather than fourteen and fifteen years old, because I think that's that's such a big difference of the potential versus a reality. And, and so when you're able to take in, maybe you're going to miss out on some of the high end guys because that obviously those guys, uh, those are players that are committing when they're sixteen now and starting when they're eighteen. Right. But if 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 you're not going to get them, you're going to be able to kind of see well who's who's going to who's surprised people. Uh, that maybe wasn't on the you know the first page of, of the recruiting list. Uh, you get those players, and and you you build them in your lineup and you build a lineup around them, I think that's something we're going to see at Wisconsin in the next couple of years. is a little bit of a hybrid because the coaching staff have talked about, yes, we feel like we can get in conversations with with some of the higher end uh, prospects, and they have and, and that's been different than than this, what they were doing at Minnesota State. So they've got a little bit of the, the cachet of the Wisconsin name and playing in the Big Ten to play with where they didn't necessarily have that at Minnesota State and so what we're going to see a little bit of this Yes, there's going to be some older freshmen, but there are going to be a few of the, uh, you know, the targeted ones that they feel like can fit can fit in well with that kind of system that they want to play a defensive, you know, uh, you know, not a defensive system, but it, it has to be strong in your own end, and you have to be willing to work and to, to sacrifice and to uh, to do those kind of things first. Uh, those kind of players are the ones that are going to go after. And so, it, 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 when you, when you talk about the the portal changing it of spots open every year I feel like uh, as a coach now and you know if you had seven players going out you would have to recruit seven players coming in. Now maybe you do four and then you see which three out of the portal fit up best. And it really changes the goaltending situation too, because that's been something where, uh, you used to only have really one chance at recruiting goalie every couple of years. And, and if you missed, you know, too bad, you had to live with it. Uh, and, and, and now that's, that's really opened things up for, for, for teams and, uh, it's it's just changed the whole dynamic of of how coaches have to look at things you know four and
1: five years out is that the is that where the big difference is for the team this year obviously they're they're playing well but the goal i mean it's it's goalie you you think about it yeah. and and it just so happens that this past weekend i know they were celebrating the history of the goalie at the university of wisconsin but is that the big difference is they've got a guy this year i certainly you got to play around him but that this Kyle McClellan or, or whoever it might be, they they're they're living up to their transfer reputation.
3: Yeah, because you know Kyle McClellan came in before last season, so in in the offseason season twenty twenty two from Mercyhurst after two years there, uh, but didn't get a, a a real great chance to uh, to be a number one goalie here. Jared Mo was was the starter uh, last season. Uh, and McClellan when he got into a few games some of them were good, some of them were bad and and it wasn't necessarily a thing where he uh, you know said I, 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 by his play I deserve more time to, to show what I can do but this season uh, yeah, his numbers have been just just astounding comparatively uh, when you're looking at that because uh, going into the, the week of the first game against Augustana they, uh, when I asked you know uh, Mike Hastings, what the goaltending situation was going to look like, because we weren't sure who was going to be a starter. He said he didn't really know yet. No one had really jumped up in training camp and taken the number one job. But then McClellan goes out and wins two games by shutout and, and just builds off of that and just keeps rolling. Uh, and and it, it hasn't stopped so far. He's had a couple of games that, you know, where he's given up three or four, but uh, and, and they won one of them against... Michigan too, so that was that was a pretty impressive uh, team outing. But um, he's given them exactly what they need, which is just stability, calmness. Uh, his presence is just that he's going to, you know, things are going to quiet down when when the Bucs in, in Wisconsin's zone if he has anything to say about it because he is he is just seems so.
1: eighth and the ninth this Friday Saturday the Badgers will host Penn State at the Kohl Center let's get to the women's team they lose uh, their their game before we're talking here to uh, Minnesota Duluth didn't uh, struggling to score the goals lately Um, Mark Johnson just won a 600th game recently but uh, where's this women's team at right now because obviously the every year they're top two top three champion I mean they're they're always there where is it right now
3: isn't necessarily anything new for the, the Badgers women because there's a stretch every season it seems like where right. goals just don't go in for them the way they want to and part of it is because they're playing some, pretty, some weaker teams early in the season and they just built up an incredible Number of goals they're averaging nine a game through I think three or four weeks. You knew that way. It it was it was not going to continue that way. But I think it's gone a little bit to the other extreme more recently as they've played some of these these teams that really make it tough to get the puck to the front of the net. And uh, you know some players have been candid recently that you know. This isn't players that that like to score the pretty goals that like to sure. you know the, the dangle and and, ch- and hit top corners and things like that and that's you know those are great when they work but you need to be able to, to get into the, the hard to get to areas and get rebounds and, and and they did that for the the first game against Minnesota Duluth and they won three nothing they didn't really do a great job of that in the second game and lost three to two and in a game that Duluth. Did get all of their three goals off of rebounds, and so that was that was a little bit of the I think it, that's one of the lessons they can learn. And Mark Johnson, you know, for as many years as I've covered him, which is which is quite a bit now, he has always said that we take the regular season as learning processes. Sure. It'd be better for March for the end of February and March, and I mean it, it's a, it's really a, a great coaching mentality if you can do it, and it's tough when you. Um, you get stuck in, in, in a losing streak. Like last year, they lost five in a row. And, you know, people were saying, well,
0: this is the end. It's over,
1: yeah. And the chances, but they built off of that. They learned from it. They took those
3: those things, and they did do things better out of that stretch. And, and so and they ended up winning the national championship in the end. And, that's uh, you know, the, the regular season makes it easier for you to play in the postseason because you get a better seed usually. But it's not always, you, know, you You don't have to be great in the regular season. You have to be great in February and March. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think this Wisconsin team knows they need to get to. And they're starting to learn the lessons of, of what they have to do to be better at it. And I think one of those things is, is getting to that hard area and, uh, you, know, you know, having to work for some
1: goals a little bit more. Since they were celebrating, this will be the last one for years, since they were celebrating the goaltenders this weekend. Men's and women's now, Mm -hmm. who are the best that you covered? Not that you, not that ever played, but who are the best you think that you covered in the men's and the women's? Because it would be easy to say Curtis Joseph or Mike Richter, but we were kids when they were there, so (laughs) so we're not gonna say either of those guys. So
3: I mean, I I was thinking about this, and who they had this game where who do you pick? You know, who's your starting goalie? I saw that. Yeah, yeah. In right now. Uh, you know, it's, it's it, you know, even you're talking about Richter and, and Cujo and, and guys that played in the 80s and into the, the 90s. That's such a different game for goalies right now. Yeah. And so that's why I, if we're talking about
1: right now, I'm going with Brian Elliott. There you go. That's where I was going. Yep. Yeah, just because, you know, he
3: was someone that. He was so cerebral. And he, he had, you know, through his whole NHL career, too. He, this is his first year he, he isn't on a team in, you know, since he left Wisconsin. But. Um, but he, he, he thinks the game so well and he uses his uh, – he pairs that with his, his physical abilities uh, to kind of always be that one step ahead. And I always I, I kind of appreciated that about how he played and how he interacted with us, too, and that he was just able to analyze himself better than I think any goalie that I've ever talked to. And on the women's side, it, it, it's, it's Anne-Rene Debian. There you go. That's um, where I was of, going,
1: too. Good deal.
3: Yeah, and, and you know there's been a few to choose from in the, the last few years I mean Kristen Campbell came from North Dakota when North Dakota uh, you know dropped their program as kind of an unproven person and ended up a you know a national champion and now part of an Olympic team with Canada right. uh, but entering a DBN which is so dominating at the, the college level, you know, her her shutouts record is I don't, I don't remember the number offhand, but it, it's ridiculous. Uh, basically, there was a year every other game she played was a shutout, and that's um, you know, you know uh, it, it was it was a shame she never won the national championship. She did win a Patty Kazmaier Award in her senior year. Um, and, and they uh, just never got to that the finish line of the season and won the last game for her. But um, she, I think, in terms of individual efforts as a goalie here, uh, that's the one I go to.
1: Anne Marie DeBien, I just looked it up. Uh, two seasons worth it. 55 shutouts. Yeah. Two seasons <laughs> of shutouts. That's no. just ridiculous. No, that'll never be touched. I, I don't think so, no. I mean, that would be pretty special if someone, you
2: know, play, and played. Most of four years and that's the other thing is that she I think
3: she shared her first year and then the last three she was the, the number one and uh, I mean to be able to get that many games to and uh, yeah it, it was just really really impressive
1: unbelievable Todd uh, thank you so much for the time I really appreciate it all the best to you you too Aaron thanks Todd Molesky we'll take a break we're back in a moment you're listening to Milwaukee Admiral Center Ice One final time tonight, it's Milwaukee Admirals Center Ice. Our thanks to Todd Molesky from the uh, Wisconsin State Journal, Joe O'Donnell, play-by-play announcer for the Minnesota Wild, and also you heard comments from Admirals head coach Carl Taylor after the win on Saturday over Grand Rapids. The Admirals have two home games before Christmas. The next one coming up on Wednesday as they host San Diego at 7 p.m. at Panther Arena. Uh, A couple of players will be signing autographs afterwards in the Aurora Sports Health autograph corner. It's a winning weekday as well. If you had an Admirals ticket to uh, the game couple of weeks ago on a Wednesday when the Admirals beat Iowa. You get a free ticket to this game. The next home game is Wednesday, December 20th. It's another winning weekday. It's also Hockey Fights Cancer Night. Uh, visit milwaukeeadmirals.com for tickets and information. The Admirals will host San Diego on Wednesday evening. Pre-game coverage will start at 6 30. The face-off is at 7 o'clock. You'll hear the game right here on the Big 920 in your iHeartRadio app. Thank you for listening tonight to Milwaukee
0: Admirals Center Ice.